know, Pastor Gus, uh, I've been working two days trying to convince people that Germany's awesome. Come and send your short-term trips. But after you hear about the beach, you guys are second-guessing that, huh? <laughs> no, I appreciate being here. It is a joy and privilege to be here. So thank you for all your welcoming, warm hearts. Got to stay with Elaine uh, and Gus in their home and just the privilege it is and the blessing to be around all of you all. Uh, it is exciting to uh, see how you are dedicated to the, the scriptures and knowing how Christ can transform your life and how you are practically impacting that in your community and how you guys are also just so committed and passionate about how Jesus transformed your life and willing to share with others. So it is a joy and privilege to be here with you all. And it's also a joy and privilege uh, as I am trying to represent Alliance Missions, which is over 700 workers across the world in over 35 different countries. And I'm trying to share what God is doing all around the world, but yet also just a little sliver of what Alliance Missions is doing in just the small little town in Germany. And so I, it is a great privilege to be here this morning. And as we say in German, it is einfach schön, dass wir zusammenkommen und loben und preis. Unser Herrn war er ist würdig und er ist heilig. Amen. It is beautiful to come together from different backgrounds because we can then praise our God and Father in heaven who is worthy and is holy. Amen. All right. So amen to that. Okay. Well, uh, Alliance Missions. Do I have the, uh, ooh, my slide should open and go Alliance Missions. Uh, something exciting has happened this last year uh, in Alliance. Alliance Missions has pulled together four different groups of missions into one big pot now. You have Comma Services, you have uh, Envision, you have uh, Marketplace Ministries, and now Access, which is a field and team, traditional missions, are all coming together underneath one pot so that we can network and work together so that it allows more opportunity for more Alliance people to be involved in more of Alliance missions. So, networking coming together so that you and I can work together for God's mission. So, whew, there we go. I think I confused the computer. Um, got a picture. Meet the family. Is it working? Kind of. Well, you saw the picture. Well, there we go. Back, 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 back. There we go. So my wife, Erin, is sad that she couldn't be here, but she had to stay home and work, help with the kids and do school. But uh, there she is, uh, my wife, Erin, and our four kids. Viola is nine. Lily is seven. Josiah is five. And Rosalind, who was born in Germany, she is three. And we just found out just last night, Josiah lost his first tooth. So he called me on the phone. I lost my tooth. So it was very exciting. Yeah. So it was fun. Yep. And which, amazingly, um, a lot of times I find out sometimes the Bible talks about Jesus saying, "Come, let the little children come to me, uh, for the kingdom belongs to such of them. It is so true because our children sometimes uh, show greater acts of faith than even what I'm willing to show. And it has been shown by my daughter Viola when we first got to Germany, inviting all these people over for coffee and cake. And it's like, come to our house, come to our house today. And I get these Germans coming up and say, we got invited to your home. What time should we show up? I'm like, oh, I didn't know you were coming over and we were giving any invitations. But there's my daughter, you know, just out there saying, come on over, come on over. And showing that, that faith uh, to these Germans saying, come on over and have coffee and cake with us. And so... Uh, it's been a joy to be able to do this as God has not called just me, Caleb as a missionary or Aaron as a missionary, but he's, he's called our entire family to go out and do missions. And just like today here in the church, God has called us all to be part of his mission. It's not just one person. It's just not Pastor Gus. Sorry, Pastor Gus. If it was just you, brother, I mean, you would do good, but it requires the whole church and the church is the whole body of Christ. Amen. So the whole family has been sent. You might ask, why are we sent to Germany of all places? Why would we go to uh, East Germany? Oh, I pushed too many times. 
Uh, and, the, and the point is about access. Uh, we think about regions beyond going to places that have limited access. We say, well, Caleb, the Germans have technology. They create cars. They have you know, engineering. They have all the best, some of the best engineering in the world. And actually, Germany still creates the, the most tanks for the militaries all around the world and distribute them all around the world. So they're building lots of technological things. They have technology. They can find out what the Bible is all about and look online. They have access to the gospel. And so in, that in that aspect, yes, that is true. But you think about gospel access access as an in relational connection where someone who can stand before them and say, I know who Jesus Christ is and how he can transform your life. If you think about in that context, if you went to our town in Wagen, Germany, and you knocked on doors, you had to knock over 1,000 doors before you kindly, finally came to someone who said, I know who Jesus is, and this is how he can transform your life. So less than 1% of the people in our town, in this region, actually know who Jesus Christ is, an evangelical believer. And so you think about in that as aspect of gospel access and just an opportunity to meet someone who is a strong believer and say, I am a disciple of Christ, it is very limited. And so that's why we are sent to into Northeast Germany, into Deutschland, for this gospel access so that we can then bring the good news of Jesus Christ to these atheistic Germans in Germany. So, but it is a hard work because, I mean, they are atheists uh, to the core, uh, but there is hope, and there's an exciting part of that. Um, let's see here. Go. Yes, it's going. Sometimes my sanctification, too, is slow working. It's like the computer can be slow working. Uh, can someone do me a favor, actually? Anybody want to do me a favor? On the back table there, there's a green hat. Would someone be willing to bring that to me? Sweet. Thank you. Should I push that again? <laughs> awesome. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. I bring this hat, and actually I call this now my preaching hat. I forgot to put it on. Uh, this is a typical Northeast German hunter's hat. They wear this when they go out hunting, and the traditional, they would then do that. Now, it's, it's actually quite complicated to be a hunter in Northeast Germany because of all the government regulations. But if you wanted to go hunting, you wear these hats. And I bring it to preaching on because I think of it in the sense of I am looking and I'm on the hunt for spirit movement. And so I wear the hat when I preach. And when also, I'll bring it up later, so I'll put that on right now so you can see a reminder that praying for Germany and hunt for spirit movement. There we go. Now, actually, the exciting part about Germany, talking about spirit movement, is that God is actually on the move in northeast Germany. There's exciting things. Uh, when I, uh, well, two years ago, we got to go to what we call a blessing house. We needed a vacation, getaway, so we flew to a different country, and there's this house that was designated just for pastors and preachers to stay for really cheap, and you can just get away and have vacation and rest. So we went to this, this blessing house and didn't know it, but before we got there, the people who run the house always pray for the pastors and missionaries when they get there and uh so they're praying for us before we even get there while we're flying they're praying for us and they're praying for just god's wisdom to come in any way that they could bless us and so a lot of times they might get a, a, a picture or a word and they'll jot that down on paper and then 
the second day we were there, they, they came to us and said, we prayed for you, and this is what we, what we saw or we heard. And so we'll take this as a blessing. If it's helpful for you or impactful, impactful for you, awesome, great, keep it. If, it. if we were way off and it was just maybe something that we ate and made us change our mind or how we were feeling at the day, just throw it away, don't mind it. But, but if this is impactful for you, if it was the Spirit, take it and let it bless you. And so he went from each person to person saying what God had spoken over these people, at least what they thought they, you know, God had spoken over them. And it came to my turn. And I said, Caleb, when we were praying for you, we got the picture that you standing in northeast Germany, and northeast Germany was just a desert. I was like, oh, man, I don't want to start at a desert. That's not very refreshing and vacation-like. That's not a good place to start. He's like, ah, oh, but just wait, you know. It was a desert, and then all of a sudden, the whole place erupted in fire just burning fire everywhere. And then as we walked closer, we realized that it actually wasn't fire. It was these flowers that we've never seen before, but they looked like fire, and they're blowing in the breeze, you know? And so it looked like just a, you know, uh, fire movement. And then, you know, bef- right before the fire erupted, we could look underneath the ground, and underneath the ground, underneath the desert, it wasn't just dead. There was a whole bunch of roots that were growing and spreading underneath the ground, waiting for the appropriate time, the right time, when all the roots were connected and the harvest was ready, it would just erupt in Holy Spirit movement. And he said, Amen. I'll take that word. I'll take that word. And when we got back then after our time at the Blessing House, we got back to Germany, and our team has been praying and thinking, like, what's the next future? What are we going to do as a team? And they said, we really think Isaiah 43, 19 is the answer, which, right here, it says, whoop. Hmm. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And this idea, like this repeated theme idea is coming up now of God who's going to all of a sudden what used to be a desert or, you know, a wasteland is now being filled with Holy Spirit movement and, and harvest. And so we're like, okay, this is what uh, the Lord is saying something. And I, as I've traveled throughout Germany, northeast Germany, I'm finding out that this is not just a message that he's given to me. The Holy Spirit has given this message to other pastors, and he's given this to other people who are trying to lead Bible studies in these small remote towns all throughout northeast Germany. So the Spirit is definitely going to be doing something, or he is doing something already, kind of like the roots underneath the ground, waiting for the right time to to just burst up. I'm just waiting and excited to see when will that time be, when that harvest is ready for reaping you know, plentiful harvest. Uh, I put these pictures up here because uh, that's actually a, uh, a picture of the left is what I quickly jotted down when he when he prayed that prayer or told me about that prayer. I jotted that in my, my notebook real quick. And if you see that pen mark around one of the uh, flowers, that was my daughter trying to help. I was like, thank you, daughter. Uh, but then on the right side, there's the pictures. Those are flowers in my garden in Germany. We got to rent a, a house in Germany. And for the first two years, the landlord said, you can garden in the backyard. And I love gardening. And I think, oh, that's a great opportunity because working with your hands and be able to, it's a good time for me to pull weeds and like wrestle like symbolically, you know, like as I'm pulling these weeds, learn this, there's just difficulties in my life and hardship, you know, and, and I can just work out that, you know, that, that stress and some of that anger. And as I'm doing it, I'm praying, oh God, you know, remove all this, you know, junk from my life and make me clean and whole. And so this is really is almost like a, a sanctified time I do gardening of just working through a lot of my time with prayer with the Lord. And so for the first two years, uh, I was able to then plant flower bulbs and do some, uh, you know, beans and do carrots, and I got to do all the things in its garden, and I loved it. It was great. But then, 
because of some hardship that we had, the, the landlord not being a believer and you know, just wanting really to make life difficult upon us, and we just had this difficult time trying to wrestle with our landlord, uh, he all of a sudden just said after the second year, you can't garden anymore just because he didn't want us to. I'm like, oh, I was just furious and upset, you know? Like, oh, come on. This is one of my joys. You're taking away one of my joys and one time, my prayer time like that, you know? How dare you take that away, you know? And just being upset by that. And over the next year, uh, I got to see all these weeds grow up in which before I could take, you know, careful care of the garden and make it real nice and pristine and no weeds. I'm seeing these weeds grow up and start choke out some of the other flowers and that. Oh, my goodness. You know, how could this happen? Lord God? What should we do? And how can I pray for blessing over my landlord when he's just being, a, you know, just being a stinker? You know, how can I do this? This difficult time. And uh, during that time, during the weeds, uh, the Lord started working through my heart and working to pray, try to pray for blessing over our landlord. So I'm praying for blessing over him, even though despite what he has done and the things that he has done make our life just some ways miserable, right? Um, when I first planted those bulbs, when I first got to Germany, for those tulips, nothing happened. But it wasn't until the weeds started coming up that up through the weeds, those tulips also appeared. And it was a reminder that despite my best efforts... It is God who makes the flowers grow. It is God who brings the harvest. And just like those flowers that are erupting like a fire, it is God who will bring about his, his Holy Spirit movement. And so that was just a reminder that God is on the move. He is not done. He will build his church. And he is continually going to build his church in Northeast Germany, just like he wants to do here in Akron. Cool. So that's a quick little story about how oh, I love flowers. It's very manly flowers are, just in case, you know? Yeah, all right. Amen. Amen. I like that. There we go. <laughs> okay. Um, something uh, exciting has happened in Northeast Germany. Uh, two years ago, there came up an opportunity. We try to have an office in Germany, um, but it's hard to find uh, a, par- a place that can do renting and can also do uh, just pay for a monthly rent. And also we need housing for our international workers. And so uh, there came up opportunity for actually a property being sold that up front was a house that an ish- international family could live in, missionaries can live in. And the basement was fully furnished so that we could have an office and storage space in the basement with a rear access even so we could have a different access for the office. A whole backyard to do ministry in and a backed guest house now that we have now named Thousand Vasa House, which means thousand, thousand water house. This idea is Isaiah 43, 9, making a, a, a fountain or a river in the desert, and I'm one of the only ones so far on our team who can laugh about it. Let's see if I can pull up pictures of just that house for you guys, the guest house. Uh, we named the guest house Thousand Vasa House because uh, when we first bought the house, we were able to get donations and purchase the house and make a down payment. We're still paying monthly fees uh, to, to finally own it within two years. We're going to try to own it completely. Um, but in the back guest house, when we first got it, it was a real cold winter. And the water pipes burst, and we didn't know it until we got a phone call from our neighbor saying, you have water coming out of your doorway in the back. And so we run back there, and there was three inches of water already. And so we quickly turn off the water and contact the insurance. And um, and a lot of it, you know, we had to take a lot of the walls out, and just the ceilings had to be redone. And there's a lot of work that needed to be done because of that water flood. But thankfully, in the skies, the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit's work, perhaps, uh, the insurance then paid to redo all the inside. 
So it was a kind of blessing in disguise in that way. Uh, but there's still a few things that we need for that guest house. Uh, we've got been able to furnish it so far, except right now uh, we need a washer and dryer so that we can you know, wash guests' clothes while we're there. And right now they're using our washer and dryer that we left in Germany. Uh, but we want it back when we get back there, so we'll need a washer and dryer. But uh, So we, we named it Tausend Fossil House on this idea is uh, 439. And we just want to say thank you if you guys donated to that. I don't know if you did or not, but if you did, thank you for donating so that we could purchase the house. And this has been an awesome opportunity. As in Germany, there's a lot of tourism. Uh, in in our town of Wagen, It's we get a lot of actually German tourists because people from all around Germany, the Germans, want to come up to our town, which is sitting on the top of the largest freshwater lake in Germany. So they come to our town for rest and rehabilitation and relaxing and camping and hiking in the woods and just uh, just getting fresh air. It's called a, a clean air town, so you can get there and get some of the freshest, cleanest air in the world. And so they, people come from all over just to come to our town for that. Um, but since there's so much tourism... We find that now that we own property, people are looking at us and saying, oh, you're here for the long haul. Property is equaling longevity that, oh, you're, you're actually going to stay here. You're not just going to leave in a couple of years. You're actually going to be here. And so we find that they're taking us a little more seriously because we own property now. And we've been able to use that guest house for hosting teams. So if anybody wants to come to Germany, we can host teams, short-term trips and like that, or interns uh, at that guest house. We use it as a youth center since Germans hate things being loud, uh, we can now go to that guest house and play loud worship music and not disturb anybody. And uh, that's a good opportunity there. Uh, also, just any community gatherings, we can use it at the guest house. That's, that's an awesome place to be there to do that. All right. Did it go? How about now? Ah, ah too far, too far. Uh, yeah. Guest house. Let us now go ahead. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me. I'm going to be reading out of Second Corinthians chapter 10, starting at verse. Let's start at verse 14 for fun. Uh, who of you have read First Corinthians? Anyone? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, if you've read First Corinthians, have you noticed that the First Corinthian Church, um, the Corinthian Church, actually, they've had a lot of issues, right? They had a lot of issues. Yeah, they did. But don't we all? We all have our issues. We're not perfect yet. There's always more to Christ, and there's always uh, work that can be done, and so he's willing to meet us there. Um, but the first Corinthian church had a lot of issues, and Paul has been there twice now, and it says in Second Corinthians later that he wants to come back again. It'll be his third visit. And in Second Corinthians, then, uh, is it, well, First Corinthians is dealing with a lot of the issues the church had as it began. Second Corinthians is starting now, and he's telling the church, you've gone through a lot of difficulty and a lot of hard, but you need to be perseverant and continue on and endure. Uh, you think of Second Corinthians 4 about, you know, treasures and jars of clay being pressed on each side, but then, you know, you have this hope that's in the jar of clay. That's that Jesus Christ is your hope, and this gospel is your hope, and for holiness and completeness uh, and continuing on. And then in chapter 9, it gets to, um, he's talking about the church and encouraging them, saying, you guys have been doing so much and doing so many good things. Keep up at it, even to the point of your church brothers that are just north of you in Greece called Mas uh, the Macedonian church. They have been just struggling, have a hardship, and you guys actually pulled together resources and funds and then delivered those funds up to your brothers that are north of you and took care of your, your neighboring church up north. And so you guys have done awesome doing good at that, you know. And then it gets to chapter 10. And 
chapter 10 is like a change a little bit. Chapter 10 gets to the point where uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, he was very stern and very hard. And the word then has been coming around the Corinthian church of Paul is kind of dichotomistic. Paul is very hard at the word and like a whip, and is whipping the people to get back in order. But then when he comes to the church, he's very gentle and loving and kind. And kind of like one person even says earlier, you know, his words amount to much of nothing while you're there. You know, like you have these hard words in the letter, but then when you're there, you're, you're just not much to show or not much, you know, to there. Like, oh, my goodness, you know. So he's trying to deal with this almost like a, a personal attack on himself, this character attack of uh, who he is as a person. And Paul is now dealing with that issue. And in this issue, Paul is is not just trying to defend himself, which he could do, but it, there's there's kind of a change like you guys are kind of missing the mark on all of it. In this difficult situation, it's not about the outward appearance, about how awesome the preacher is or how great someone is. That is all this external outward thing or worldly things that you can look at. But really what matters is the kingdom values. What is God doing? What is God trying to say? And so Paul is redirecting this opportunity of looking at himself about this personal attack and saying, don't look at just this as an outward thing. Let's make this about kingdom values and so using it as an instruction for teaching. And this is where the alliance and this alliance missions has then said, this is really where we want to focus on in missions. All right. Let's see if I get that up for you. Ah, sorry. Can you do some magic back there, Mark, to get to the Bible verse page? Ah, perfect. Oh, went too far. So this is where we're going to pick up on reading while Mark does his magic. I'm going to go ahead and read this. Okay. Second Corinthians 10, 14. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you. For we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. Not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other man's labors, but with the hope that is that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere enlarged even more by you. So as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you. Sounds familiar, right? Regions beyond. The regions beyond you and not boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. But he who boasts is the boast in the Lord. For it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends. Ah, uh, God, I praise you and thank you for your word and just how you continue to challenge me and challenge your church with your words that were written so long ago. But Holy Spirit, pierce our hearts, pierce our minds, continue to speak today. May we hear your words and not just some rambling person up front, but may we hear what you have to say. Amen. Awesome. So what does this have to do with us today? What does it have to do with missions? What does it have to do with you guys here at Akron Alliance Fellowship? Uh, this is what we have to say in verse 14. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you. Paul is saying it's not that hard to say that we were the first to come with the gospel of Jesus Christ to your town. We started something there. We're not going to, it's not that hard to say that, okay? For we were the first to come with the gospel. And here it just says the gospel. But I would like to try to illuminate or highlight saying Paul came with, I would say, the holistic gospel. I add holistic because a lot of times, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes people think of gospel as just coming to someone and having them make an exchange, make a, a point of prayer, saying, if you just pray this prayer, you're good, and that's it. But that's not what Paul is saying with the gospel. Paul is not just coming just for people to make a prayer. He's 
coming up with what we call the holistic gospel. And what is this holistic? Well, Paul, when he came, he came and stayed in homes. He stayed with people in the family, and he blessed the entire family. And, that, and just like in that day, there are issues today with family issues, right? There's dysfunctional families, broken families, uh, what do you call that, patchwork families, the whole different families that which used to be the foundation of a society, right? They're a foundation of society. They're kind of messed up too a lot of times. Uh, but that's okay because Paul came, and he came and met with families, and he's saying the gospel does not just intersect one person's life. It actually involves an whole families. The gospel can change whole family dynamics and restore them back to healthy situations. And so the gospel of Christ meets whole families. And then Paul also, while he was there, dealt with economic issues. There were the poor people in the town, and there were those who were uh, orphaned and widowed. And, and Paul is saying the gospel of Christ intersects even society in, in an economic level and trying to care for the poor and the marginalized. And so the holistic gospel is dealing with economic and social issues and even political issues. He's dealing with, well, do we pay taxes still? How do we deal with this with the church and what is going on in, in the community? And so Paul, this holistic gospel is intersecting not just the individual life and the family life, the social life, political life. The gospel is intersecting all of life and all our connections. And so this holistic gospel that Paul is preaching is, is all of life. So that's one thing that is Worth noting. Next. Uh, it says, uh, verse 15. So, first to come with you with the, in the gospel of Christ, not boasting by our own measure, that is, in another man's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows. And we stop right there. As your faith grows. Paul is also thinking, not just thinking that this is a one-time done thing. It is always deeper life with Christ that your journey is now walking hand in hand with Christ and going, and your journey, your faith can broaden and grow, and you can develop as a person less of self, more of Christ. Also worth noting. Yeah. So as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere enlarged more by you. So what you are doing as your faith grows affects me. And what I do affects you. This is a crazy concept that a lot of times Americans, we kind of miss out on. When you go to Germany where it's socialistic, it's easier to see because they're more communal-focused thought, saying a lot of times we say, oh, when the, the Spirit will move with us. And it's like, well, when we come together, that's when the Holy Spirit moves. As in corporate prayer and corporate worship, that's when the Holy Spirit really moves. A lot of times we focus so much on the individual, you know, like the Holy Spirit and me and just myself. And that has been separating a lot of the churches and just dividing. But yes, that is true. The Holy Spirit speaks to us individually, but he also speaks corporately as well. And so what I do affects you, and what you do affects me, and what I do in Germany affects Akron, and what Akron does affects Germany. And we are all interconnected in this greater family of God. And so the Alliance has, Alliance Missions has seen these things here and said, this is worth noting. This is something that we need to focus on. And they say that, you know, verse 14, the whole gospel of Christ is intersecting lives and all of life. And they see that as this is how we are able to serve communities with the whole gospel of Christ. We need to focus on in our towns and in our peoples. We need to serve our community and bless our community because it's not just a one prayer thing and done. It's all of life and intersecting all the different areas. And so we need to serve our communities and bless our communities. They also see it as, as your faith grows, is always more to Christ. We're all about developing, moving towards the goal of Christ. I'm not done yet. It's kind of the here, now, and not yet. 
we get access to this unshakable kingdom of God and this deeper holiness and life with God, but yet it comes, but not completely yet until the end time. So we're always on a journey either towards Christ or away from Christ, and we're always developing, and we should be developing each other and developing ourselves, so we need to be developing people, right? So we've got to serve our communities. We've got to develop people. And the third thing is we want to enlarge even more by you. As we are interconnected, we need to multiply these church networks. Now, this may not be just start new buildings because the church is you. The church is us together. And we need to multiply those groups and those huddles and those, those God-fearing groups all around the world all across Akron, all across Germany. So how can we multiply church networks? Whether it be alliance or not, let's encourage our brothers who are also trying to do the same work. That we're not in this alone. We're in this together. So how can we multiply and encourage the growth of the church just all over? So these three things is what Alliance Missions is focusing on. These are the three things that the Alliance in general is trying to move towards. And these are the three things that we have been trying to do in Northeast Germany. We think about serving communities. When we came to Germany, we wanted to make what we call a meaningful, impactful presence in which people ask us, why did you come to Germany? And the Germans ask us that. And uh, we say, well, we're here to bless the community in any way we can. And for Germans who have almost everything they could think of as they have their own health care is taken care of, you know, they have their education is taken care of, their, a lot of their physical needs are taken care of because they're, you know, they're, they have good jobs and good salary and things like that. They're, they're taken care of. It is true 80% of their money gets taken away to, uh, to the government, but yet still they're still taken care of. You know? So how can we come and bless a town that is basically almost taken care of? And one thing that they're lacking in, because there's only a handful of people in our town that can actually speak English, uh, it's all just German or po- a little bit of Polish in there, um, and also Syrian, so Arabic speaking. Uh, how can we bless them. And one natural easy way is through English. They want to be able to speak English. They think if their kids want to grow up and succeed in the business world, they need to be able to speak English. And so they're asking and wanting English speakers to come to Germany. And so we are there. We're native English speakers, whether my English may be you know, good or not, that's another question. But we are able to then to teach English as a blessing on the community. And we've been doing that now for almost eight years in that small town. And the town has now then said, we want you to stay forever. We don't want you to leave. <laughs> we want you to stay there. And that's the meaningful, impactful presence, that they value you for what you're doing to bless the community. They want you to stay. Even though they may not like the, what you're saying is in gospel, saying you need Jesus Christ and he can, you know, take care of your life. They may not accept that, but they want you to stay because of how you're blessing the town, the meaningful, impactful presence. And so we have been doing that. We've been doing it through English classes, uh, English camps, and teaching at a school, and uh, just using for those who are have progressed in our studies of English are now to a point of conversational English with adults that we're actually able to have conversation in English on a deeper heart level and bring up topics about faith and hope in English classes. So in English, their dialogue with a lot of their things that they're dealing with and struggling with in English. That's an exciting thing. And then later on, they invite us over to their homes for conversations about them a little bit deeper in German. So it's exciting. English is opening up the door. It's this bridge so that we can bring the gospel to them 
And that's what we've been doing, serving English. Uh, multiplying church networks. We are not just about uh, just trying to start our own thing, which we are. We're trying to plant a German church in Germany. Um, but uh, we're also trying to encourage the local churches that are there and saying, you know, you're not done yet. You can keep on going. Don't give up. Keep going. And so we've been meeting with local pastors and trying to encourage them and also going to their services and being able to pray, pray blessings and words of encouragement to them. And we're trying to figure out how can we network together to be able to accomplish the goal better together than alone. So, and also developing people. This is where... It gets exciting because we are all about developing people. We are on the hunt now, as I'm wearing my preaching hunter's hat. We are on the hunt to find who has God anointed or who has God chosen that will plant his own church. So we're looking for those adults or the youth that he wants us to disciple to the point of planting the church and train them in the way so that they can plant their own church. So it's not an American coming and starting an American church, but it actually be Germans planting their own church, that God, that God's spirit movement that's happening. So we're on the hunt trying to find who are those people that God has chosen that he's going to use. And so we're looking for them. Uh, but also with that, we are constantly doing youth groups. We love our kids. We love our youth. And where are the kids here today? Are there any kids? I think they're all so focused right now. Yeah, woo-woo. All right, kids, why don't you come on up here? Come on up here. We love kids. We do love kids. Come on up. Come on up. I have a surprise for you. Kids, come on up. Come on up. There we go. All right. Do you know what the word Überraschung means? Do you don't think it should? Überraschung in German means surprise, and it's usually a good thing. Now, look at this. What is this? It's an egg carton, right? But look at it. Count how many are there. Yeah, metric system. Germans give you eggs in 10, not 12. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my goodness. Looks short, doesn't it? Yeah? All right. Inside of here is a Überraschung, a surprise. In Germany, the kids love these. Everyone gets them all the time. They're called Kinder Eier. So you can choose your own surprise. It's a chocolate egg, and inside is a toy. So... I'd, you might need to open it later because it's chocolate. We don't eat inside the sanctuary, right? So bring it home. Maybe put it in your mom's purse or something. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And don't put it in your pocket, though, because it's chocolate and it'll melt if it's in your pocket. Go put it on your bag or something, yeah? There you go. And at home or after the service, you can have a surprise. So it's a shell of chocolate, and inside the middle is the toy, which those are actually illegal in America. Shh. Uh, don't say that I actually uh, uh, snuck those into the country because America, in America doesn't allow these types. Usually it's the peel open kind with a little scoop out and kinder eye that they now avail available here. But these kinds are the original, but they don't like them because if people try to bring them into America, they think, oh, it's surrounded by chocolate. Anything, well, it used to be chokeable toys in the middle, but it's actually a toy surrounded by chocolate, which they have no idea what could be in that, cho- in that egg in the middle. And people are afraid that they could smuggle other things into there, which is just a toy. But I'm saying that those are the original illegal kind in America, but are awesome in Germany. So here you go. So we love children. We are all about developing the next generation. They are going to be the ones who are going to be leading the church in the future. And so we want to train them and develop them as much as possible uh, in the ways of the Lord. And so we are all about developing people, developing youth, developing children. So there you go. And have fun doing it, right? Yeah.
But why do we do all of these things? Why, what can you do in serving communities in Germany and multiplying church networks and developing people? How can you do that in Germany? How can we do that here at Akron? How can you bless your community? It's been fun to go around and see that you guys are actually already involved. You guys have been meeting the children where they are in education, and you've been meeting people uh, who need homes and providing housing for some of the people who need housing. And you guys are meeting people on practical levels, which is awesome to see to serve them. And multiplying church networks, have you guys, um, this was a church plant originally, right? Have you guys done any church plants since then or helped out with any? Hmm. Yeah. It would be exciting to see what uh, God brings in the next, say, 10 years for Akron Alliance Fellowship. Yeah, multiplying church networks and developing people, how you can develop people. Uh, but why are we doing all of these things? And why are we going to regions beyond? Why are we going to, why is Akron trying to reach Akron? Uh, because all of this, we're going to regions beyond, going somewhere, that, reaching the people that have not been reached yet, presenting them with a gospel there because they, in their own accord, may not want to go online and fig- just type in, who is Jesus Christ and how does he transform my life? They may not know that they need that. A lot of times in my own life, in the past, I didn't realize what I was missing because how could I? I was missing it, you know? And so many times, people who can live without one arm don't realize that life is so much better with two arms. It's just like people living without the spiritual life involvement of Jesus Christ don't realize what they're missing, that spiritual arm, that connection, that, that part of them is missing until it's finally been uh, revealed to them. And that's why we go to regions beyond. That's why we go out to do our mission is to show people that you can have a full, complete life with Jesus Christ. So regions beyond, going beyond. And it, all, it is all before we go to verse 17. But he who boasts is the boast in the Lord. All this is not just to show how great we are, how great is the alliance, or how great is Caleb Cole with a crazy hunter hat, you know. But we do all this because we want to say all glory and praise goes to God the Father. Amen. So we boast. We do all this for the boasting, for the praising, and bring glory to God. That's the ultimate goal of why we do those things. Yeah. So uh, if this comes comes up completely. Beep. There we go. Uh, got two pictures here. The first picture in the middle. Are we recording this, uh, Mark? Or guess? Will this in any way be online? Audio, yes. Okay, thank you. So, uh, in the middle is a picture of a young man. This young man, in the end of 2015, um, his little village in the Middle East was being overtaken by militants. And him and his family had to leave. And they had to leave their home, and there are actually multiple homes. Uh, His his parents actually said, we cannot leave this country of Syria that we love so dear. Uh, We have to stay with it. We can't go to a different country and learn a new language. So they went to the safest city that was at that time, Damascus. Uh, But him and his uh, two brothers said, no, we're going to try to find a better life and safety and security out west. And so through walking, through buses and boats and however else he could get there, they ended up in Turkey. And the one brother said, this is far enough. I don't want to go any further. I'll just stay here in Turkey. And the other two said, it's not far enough. There's still a lot of turmoil happening in Turkey. And so the, and they went further on, and they ended up in France. And the eldest brother then said, oh, this is good enough. I like this. And still the, the younger brother's like, nah, it's still not good enough. And he left, and he went, kept on going. And this younger brother ended up crossing the southern border of Germany, not speaking German uh, at all, but they, the Germans seized him and said, you are, you know, you're an immigrant, uh, you're probably a refugee, and uh, we'll bring you where there's housing. So they put him on a train, and nine hours later, he ended up in Wagen, and they dropped him off in Wagen, which is our town. And so he got there in January of 2016. 
And they he said, okay, here you go. Talk to these people. And he does not you know, speak German. He said, talk to these people. And they will give you housing and get you set up for a school. And so he's like, not knowing what's really going on, making him sign all his paperwork and things like that, not knowing what it's saying, uh, ends up in a German language class. It's the same German language class that my wife and I were in. We're, my wife and I and 28 other Syrian refugees are all trying to learn German together. And as I don't speak Arabic and they don't speak English, and as we're just wrestling with what is this German and this Derdi and Das and how it works out and how do we speak this language, we are able to then to build a friendship. And this friendship continues. And as we go through this language school together, we're meeting outside of school, talk about German, talk about life, meet having coffee and cake all the time. And then he, who's a very smart kid, he, uh, he actually passes my ability in German. And he goes on to the university, which is 45 minutes north of us, and now he is taking classes, German classes, and studying how to be an engineer to create new German automobiles, which is pretty amazing. Uh, but this, this young man, uh, he, uh, he still has a friendship with me, and we're texting all the time. And then whenever he gets chances to come back into our town, he's like, I'm going to be in Wagen. Can we meet up? Well, you betcha. So that's not a Minnesotan, didn't it? You betcha. Goodness. Sorry. I'm Minnesotan. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, he comes into our town, and we're just talking about, uh, you know, just about life and his struggles. And he wants to get married, find a nice young girl, but there's not that many Syrian girls in town. But he met the Spanish girl through some networks. and But now he's been Skyping with his parents and trying to get permission to pursue this relationship. His parents are back in Damascus. And he's just like, this is hard to figure out, you know. But uh, so we're talking about life and love and the, the freedoms and liberties that we have and we're in all the different topics, you know. And then we go for a walk. And as we're walking, we hear the Lutheran church start bringing, uh, the bells start ringing, bong, dong, dong. And then he turns to me and looks and he said, Caleb, I've been reading that book you gave me. And back when I was in the classes, I went down to Berlin to our Syrian uh, ministry base that we have down in Berlin, and they had some New Testament Bibles in Arabic. And I said, I'm going to take some of these. Thanks. And I just stole them from them. <laughs> like, where'd the Bibles go? But I took them. I have uh, Arabic friends, speaking friends. I need these. And so I took them up to my town, and I had given one to him in class. and said, hey, just read this. Um, and so he turned to me while we're on that street, and we're hearing the bells ringing. And he says, I've been reading that book that you gave me, and I have lots of questions. Said, That's good. I love questions. Let's do this, you know. And so <laughs> then he said, you know, I've been trying to go to the Islamic mosque in our town next to the university, and I just can't handle it anymore. All they do is they talk about hatred, hatred, hatred. They just hate everything that is not Islam or Islamic, you know. And so he said, I just personally can't take it anymore. I just can't handle all the hate. And he turned to me and said, I wonder what the Christian church would be like. It's like, ooh. Now, I want to ask you, what would you guys say if someone turned to you and said, what would your church be like? Would it be hatred or be filled with love and joy? What would you say for an answer for possible hope or joy? Yeah, it's exciting stuff. On the right is a picture of our house that we lived in in Germany. While we were there, we were on the top floor, the third floor, which which Germans call the second floor. But uh, we were up there uh, on the Dachgeschoss, the, uh, the roof with a slanted, roo- slanted roofs uh, part. So we're up there, and our house is a multifamily house. Um, so there's different people on different levels. And on the bottom floor was this elderly woman named Frau Zander. Frau Zander, which would be translated as like Mrs. Walleye. It's a fish name. 
Okay, so Mrs. Walleye, Frau Zander. She was a, a typical uh, Northeast German woman. We found out actually she was originally from Croatia, but fully German. And uh, she was actually, through getting to know her, was actually uh, forcefully taken out of her town and forced to work in a work camp during the war years for which she had to make military uniforms. And as we find out more and more about her story and what it was like, we're finding out, I'm thinking this work camp may have not been a nice work camp. It might have actually been a concentration camp. But she's this German woman forced to work for the German government back then. And then when the, when the war was over, uh, the, the camp just opened its doors and said, you got to leave. And so she had to try to make her way back. And she walked all the way back and took rides as she could. Every once in a while, there would be a German jeep driving by with a soldier in it. And she would, you know, hitch a ride. But then as soon as they heard an airplane overhead, a lot of times these airplanes would be bombing these jeeps, uh, the commanders would tell them to jump out. And so she'd be stuck in the middle of the woods somewhere to continue walking. And she made it the 600-mile walk back to her hometown of Croatia, which when she got there, the, uh, the Croatian government said, we don't want any Germans. And so they put her on a train and sent her somewhere else. And through then the German government, which was being trying to be reorganized and is now communistic and being figured out by the Russians, uh, they finally found her a unlivable, uh, not, not unlivable, a not lived in home in Wagen, Germany, that same house right there, which used to be a military barracks, so now it's empty. So they put her in there saying, you can live here. And that's where she lived ever since. And she got married and had kids there. And uh, her son is actually the landlord, the, the one that we had so much difficult with, difficult times with. And um, his, her son lived about eight, eight hours away, and they had a rough relationship. And I'm wondering if a lot of that difficulty is because we started loving on his mother, and there might have been some guilt in that because they have a broken relationship. And we started loving on her, and she started loving back on us. And through that difficult uh, relationship that they had, mother and son, uh, there was a lot of animosity towards us then. I'm just guessing. I haven't found out the truth yet, but that's probably my guess. But so Frau Sander, who's in her 90s now, she, uh, very East German, uh, very loving, very kind, but very in the German way. <laughs> say it that way, but very forgiving and understanding and trying to teach us the German way. Right? Um, but there was something unique about her. Uh, she needed constant care and wasn't getting it. She was very prideful and stubborn and would not accept it either. And so in our house, uh, there in the hallway going up to our apartment would overcome this overcomingly smell. This is a powerful dirt, the smell of Ooh, just terribleness, right? There was just a smell of that you you just think something may have died. And to the point that it's so bad that the mailmen who are supposed to come bring our packages to our door refused to come into our house. They would just ring our doorbell and then leave saying, we're not going in. I said, but it's your job. You have to do this. And like, I'm not doing it. Just because the strong was so bad. And a lot of times we would open our door and run down the stairs and hold our breath, trying not to puke all the way down to get outside to get to the fresh air because it was that bad of a smell. Um, but... Nonetheless, our kids especially started loving on Frau Zander. Whenever it was a birthday celebration, the kids were like, let's bring a birthday cake down to Frau Zander and bring her a birthday cake. And of course, Frau Zander, being who she is, can't just accept things for free. Uh, the next day, then there would be chocolates to give to the kids back. 
Um, and Fratzana would go on a three-mile walk every day, 90 years old, with her walker, very stubbornly, even though she probably shouldn't, she would do it anyways, would go for a walk all the way on her little walker, all the way three miles around town, stopping at the various stores that she would need for that day, whether it be the drugstore or the grocery store, whatever it be. And she would take several hours to do this. In the rain, in the snow, it didn't matter. She took a three-mile three walk around town. Um, but if you've seen the other pictures of the other day, uh, you may have seen a, a big street torn up and lots of sand and dirt. Well, they redid the street in front of our house, and it took two years to complete that, that project. And during that two years, it was sand and it was mud, and you never knew if there would be a 10-foot hole right in front of your doorway. And so we did not have a car while we were driving, uh, while we were there at all, the four years that we were there. We had, whenever we were on bicycles. So we had this trouble of the mud and the sun, the, uh, the sand and the muck trying to get through. And these giant holes that we had to try to get our kids and our bikes over to try to get to school. And so the construction workers are helping us carry our kids through the sand and the mud and our bikes to get to the point where it's no longer construction and then helping them on their way. And a lot of times that we're coming back with our bikes and our, our bike trailer full of groceries from the store to bring back home, uh, here the, the construction workers are also then blessing us by picking up our groceries and helping us bring them to our door and just blessing us. On that. But they could not do that for Frau Zander, or at least she wouldn't accept the help for that. And so she was stuck in our little courtyard in our little house. And since she used to go on a three-mile walk every day, it gave her a lot of physical strength and workout. But since she was stuck inside now, she wasn't able to do that. And a lot of her health deteriorated and started deteriorating more. And during this time, uh, she didn't know what to do, so she started leaning on us, her friendly neighbors, which we are happy and glad to do. We like to be good neighbors. And so she asked for us to go to the store for her. For her. So we started going to the store for her. And uh, she would sometimes, even in the middle of the night, would give us a phone call saying she had fallen and can't, get to, can't stand up. And so we would actually, because she had given us a key to her apartment, would go down in the middle of the night and then go in and help her back to her bed or maybe. And... Uh, and said, you know, you really should probably have a nurse. She's like, I know, I know. You know, just, just let it be. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he's like, do you want me to call the nurse to see if you're okay? She's like, I'm fine. Just go. You can go now. Thank you for your help. And then the next day, of course, uh, there'd be more chocolate in our, our mailbox or like that, you know? Um, or sometimes when she when she's saying, you know, my eyesight's real bad. I need help cooking or, or, or uh, I just can't cook right now. So we would then bring down uh, some leftover food from our plate and bring it on down to to her. And she would then, couldn't accept it for free, of course, so she would slip money into our mailbox for paying for that evening meal. And so we were trying to bless her. And then one time, uh, my wife got a phone call and said, can you come down and chat with me? So my wife goes down and sitting at the table and her eyesight has gotten bad and so she's asked for help filling up her medicines and things like that to help give them to her. And uh, there's flies buzzing everywhere. The smell is just overcoming and it's just, you know, permeating her clothes and her nostrils and just trying to think, oh, how can I be you know, focus and concentrate while there's such a strong smell. And um, my wife at that time starts thinking, oh, I so don't want to be here right now. <laughs> and in that moment, God spoke to her and said, Aaron, I didn't call you to Germany to sit with people that are clean. I have called you to sit in the muck with people and tell them my good news. And that just changed our whole heart and perspective. And what we did was, from before just being a good neighbor to actually just loving deeply on Frotzander and blessing her, and just realizing that in life there are lots of Frotzanders out there, whether it be a physical smell or spiritual or family issues that are just a bunch of muck and dirtiness you really just personally would rather not deal with. But Christ called us to not the healthy, but to the, the unhealthy. 
to bring the good news. And so one night then, I got another phone call. This is uh, about a month later. Uh, phone call, and she fought Sanus in this panic and just filled with anxiety and just this dread of like, oh, you need to help me, you need to help me. So I get down there, and she's telling me, I've lost my bank card, and I can't live without it because through her bank card, she can order, deliver food, or pay for things that she needs, you know, and without her bank card, she just, you know, couldn't buy things. And so she's in this frenzy, just overcome with anxiety. I can just see it, and she's shaking, and she's crying. And so I try to look around the apartment for her and telling, asking her, where do you usually keep it in this? And looking, I can't find the bank card myself either. And so finally then like, okay, can I pray for us about this? And so she's like, okay. So we sit down and I, I take her hand and I'm like, okay, Frat Sander, I'm going to pray for us that we can uh, find your bank card and, and that you can come. And so I'm praying the Lord, can you come in peace and be over Frat Sander and give her comfort? May you show her that you are real and may you bring her just comfort in this time. Take away the anxiety and the stress. And I'm praying, Lord, peace over Frat Sander, peace over her. I can see this change in her and she's calming down. Her breathing is more regular now and her some of that stress and that pain is being taken away and as i keep on praying for over shots on her peace she starts slapping my knee and going the bank card the bank card like oh yes that's right you want me to pray with a bank card i'm so concerned about her and just her physical appearance she's so worried you know? okay all right oh and lord god uh, could you please uh, help us find the bank card amen you know just a quick little okay and so then i feel this urge i'm like oh yeah we need to look again so i stand up and i said where was it at again you usually keep it well in the tea cupboard so i opened the tea cupboard and where i had just looked what the 10 minutes before there leaning on the teacup is this bank card and i grabbed my I say, is this the bank card? And she, in her walker, pulls herself up and she starts jumping. Yes, yes, like this. I haven't seen her move like this in forever. She goes, yes, that's it. And she walks over to me and throws her arms around me and she's just tears coming down and running all over my shoulder. She's like, oh, oh, thank you. And, like, and then she whispers in my ear, I still believe. I'm like, what is that? Still believe. Find out that she, as a young girl, went to the Lutheran church in Croatia, and she was taught some of these things that went dormant for all those years of the DDR and was told not to believe in that. But yet there is still that kernel, that little element of, of faith that was under the ground, those roots that just never died, that were still there. And waiting for the right time for that flower, the Holy Spirit point, an intersection where the Holy Spirit comes and brings life and that flower can pop up. So, hmm, what would you do if you have a stinky neighbor? Are you willing to go into the stink in the muck with others? Yeah. That is God's mission. Whether we like it or not, that the Lord calls us to it, and the joys and the privilege of being with the Lord on journey is worth the cost. Amen. So, what if? We don't want to stay at the what if. Let's go on. What if that was you? How can we pray? The next thing is about what next? First of all, I want to say thank you for the church, for you guys for letting me be here. It's been a privilege. Thank you for the chance that... Uh, to show Christ's light in a town that may not have hope. 
thank you for your giving into missions over the years. You guys do give, whether how small or how big. Hey, the chance, the, the fact that you give and you give to missions and what God is doing. The fact that you are involved in children's lives and you're involved in your neighbor's lives. So thank you for being involved in missions and giving faithfully. Uh, what next? I would say the most important for a thing for you to do, the most important thing for you to do in missions is to pray, is to see what the Lord wants you to do. It's not what Caleb tells you you ought to do. It's what is God leading you to do and how you can be involved and be faithful in that. All right. What's next? Hmm. Ah, yes. Same thing as us in German, in Germany. Um, we are called as an Acts 1 family that we do this together to reach our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the earth. And so as you are praying, you're following the Lord and his calling uh, and what he's leading you to do and how to be involved missionally. Uh, my encouragement for you is to not forget about your Jerusalem, your local, your immediate neighborhood right here, your Judea, the people that are different that are around you. Your, well, that's, that's Samaria. Your Judea, the next neighboring town or community over in the ends of the earth. What would be the ends of the earth to you guys? Maybe Pennsylvania. <laughs> They're a little different, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Or maybe down south. Or maybe. But be faithful for that. Uh, let me pray for us as we close then and just pray for God's blessing on that. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the chance to be here. I thank you for the great, uh, the great family of God, how you have brothers and sisters here that have been faithful to you over the years. Uh, I just thank you for their faithfulness and their joy and how they have served you. And I just pray that you continue to guide them, move them. May they not be left alone, that you continue to show them greater works and greater deeds, that as their faith grows in greater power, may, may Akron Alliance Fellowship here, may they see your power and your might like they have never before, that they can see the depthness of your love and your joy and your presence and your kingdom, your kingdom being displayed in ways that has never been before. May you move powerfully through them to reach their town and reach their Jerusalem, Judea, their Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, maybe even Germany. We pray this in your name. Amen.